0: Welcome to Elemental Whispers, a podcast dedicated to creating pathways of remembrance through the sharing of personal experiences and real-life sacred stories of working with the community of otherworld beings for healing, growth, and joyful enchantment. I'm Diamira Rose D'Agostino, and this is my gift to you. A podcast that is really meant to be a doorway May it illuminate this pathway of magical remembrance. May its medicine of enchantment guide you in your elemental journey of soul, earth, and spirit. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining me. I have been swirling in ideas around what today's episode was going to be. All I knew was that I definitely wanted to share at least one more episode before my departure on my pilgrimage. More on that in just a moment. Even though I had all these ideas swirling around, ideas that were all vying for my attention and your attention, what I came to realize is that what is most alive and present for me is this upcoming journey and sacred soul pilgrimage that I am making. And so, I wanted to spend our time today sharing with you about my upcoming pilgrimage. I want to let you in and give you a peek into my world of preparations that I'm making, both physical preparations, how I prepare logistically, mentally for a journey of this nature, and also some of my more internal sacred preparations that I'm making in order to prepare myself, prepare my body, my soul, my spirit, my heart for that which is before me. I also want to share a little bit about my intention, why I'm making this pilgrimage. Like all pilgrimages, there are many layers to this story that I am actually right in the middle of. But I want to share some of the threads that are most alive and ready to be spoken. Now, before we get into all of that good stuff, I want to share two things. First, I may or may not be sending some email updates. I'm seeing sacred transmissions of sacred places along my pilgrimage, encoded stories, images, messages. At this moment, I'm feeling very inspired to share some of those pieces as they arise. And also, as we know, sometimes when we're in the thick of it, I may not want to lift a finger to do anything tech related, even something as easy as recording a quick video clip on my phone. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But if you want to make sure you don't miss any of these little magical breadcrumbs that I might share with you along my sacred trail, <laughs> then I would really recommend you make sure that you are on my email list and you can just go to dmurorose.com to sign up. and. That way you'll get any email messages that I may or may not send out while I'm away. That's the first piece. The second piece is I want to mention since we're on this topic of travel, you may know that I started hosting a virtual travel series back in the spring and it was in honor and celebration of my magical Newly released memoir, Initiation My Fairy Soul Awakening. The very first travel series, we journeyed virtually to Tintatchel in Cornwall. And I'll link to that. I have that recorded if you want to experience the journey, time travel back with us, and really experience the potent medicine of that place. I do plan on continuing this series it is probably going to pick up in the early fall. So it is going to continue. It's just on a little bit of a different pace than I had originally thought. It's on its own timeline. And I expect the next series event to journey us to the land of Ireland. If you've not yet joined me for one of these events, they are super fun. Super potent and very magical. We virtually and energetically journey to these places. And again, these are places that were highlighted in my memoir. And this is a way for you to experience the energies of these places, to experience their medicine. It's also a time of sharing, and I will. Often tell stories about my travels to that particular place, stories that may not have been in the book. I'll also read an excerpt or two from the book so you can really tune into the energy of the experience and be right there with me. These are a great way to, if you haven't traveled or want to travel or haven't traveled in a while, to really just soak into the magic of place. And it's a beautiful way to connect into my book, especially if you haven't yet grabbed a copy and you haven't read the story yet. This is a great introduction and a way to begin to experience the magic. So just to make sure you don't miss out on those events, I would recommend you hop on my email list, diamirarose.com. That way you won't miss any of these events. This particular event is free to join. And I only ask that you bring a friend or someone you think might love to experience the enchantment of sacred place, sacred sites, or of the deep medicine of fairy. With that said, let us turn our attention to what I want to share with you today, which is all about my upcoming journey. I will be embarking on a sacred pilgrimage of soul and song for the month of July. I have exactly one week left that is allowing me the time I need to prepare body, mind, and soul for this upcoming journey. Before I get into some of the details on my preparation and my process, I want to share with you a little more high level around where I'm going, why I'm taking this journey, and Maybe even a little background on what has led me here to this moment. If you would have asked me two months ago if I were planning on traveling internationally anytime soon, I probably would have said, no, no plans on the books. And here we are. So this journey came together really fast really fast and sometimes that's how it happens sometimes that's how it has to happen because otherwise I don't know about you but I've been known to talk myself out of something before especially what I call a bid for power and that's a shamanic term and what I mean to say is that when I feel a an invitation before me to step into some initiatory phase or cycle, standing upon that edge, I can often feel the great power of what is before me. While that power has all of the qualities of extraordinary adventure, enchantment, mystery, the great unknown, all of which I love, by the way, that power also has the ability to stir up within me fear, a feeling of, holy shit, it sometimes brings up shadow parts that want to be looked at, or perhaps they are previews, a little sneak peek or coming attraction to some of the pieces of self that I may be dancing with during the journey, that the journey itself may help me to recognize, see, integrate, resolve. Making a journey of this nature is no small feat. Yes, it is exciting. And yes, I especially love the unknown. I love the unknown. My moon in Cancer lives in the ninth house, for those of you astro buffs out there. So that would mean that adventure and Mystery and seeking wisdom feeds my soul. It nourishes me deeply, nourishes my emotional body, serves my emotional needs. My Mars and Uranus and Neptune are all in Sagittarius. So there is this incredible, fiery energy that yearns for truth and exploration and adventure and the mysteries with a capital M. And Anyone who has ever taken a power journey knows it is not all roses and buttercups. And even when it is, we would all do well to remember that roses have thorns and buttercups are poisonous. That is a quote from one of my upcoming books. So these journeys are not to be taken lightly. and. Because of that, when, oh, there was the thunder. I don't know if you heard it, but what an exclamation point and a punctuation that was. When we are presented with a journey of this nature, for me personally, I have to say yes (laughs) before I can say, before my mind and rational mind and all the other parts of me, my ego and everything can swoop in and say No. And here's all the reasons why not. So that's what happened this time. It was just less than two months ago where this plan didn't even exist. And it was in a conversation with Alex, my beloved flower sister. She happened to mention that someone we knew may be going to Avalon. And My whole body had a visceral reaction, like hot and cold, and and my mind perked up. What? Avalon? And seeing as I haven't traveled internationally since before COVID, I didn't know what the travel restrictions were or weren't. In my mind, travel was not really open very much. I knew some people were doing it, but it didn't seem very open to me. When I found out that this other person may be traveling, suddenly it was almost like this pathway of possibility opened up, where before it wasn't in my realm of possible outcomes. And yet, when this possibility unfolded before me like a rose, I was just in this full body response of, oh my gosh, could it be possible? So based on that, I went into my little research mode and turns out it was and is possible. And then from there, I began considering, could I take the time off? And what would it look like? And really before I even let my mind go in any of the more constrictive and restrictive pathways around taking time off and cost and all of those pieces, I actually let myself dream into it. What would it look like? Where would I go? Who and what would I see? Who and what would journey me? And by who and what, I mean the places, the energies of empowers and presences of place that I know so well in those lands that I've cultivated such relationship with in this lifetime and in others, I just began dreaming into it. I began seeing myself traveling, walking among the stones of some of the stone circles that I know and love and speak to the sacred places in my own body. I saw myself sitting at the wells and in the fields and walking along enchanted forest paths. But most of all, I saw one image. One image that held me so powerfully and profoundly. I saw the Tor. The Tor that is my spiritual home. I say Avalon is my spiritual home, but really it is the Tor that is my spiritual home. I know for some, the Tor has wild, elemental energies, forces that sometimes can disturb and activate and maybe even trigger because of their extraordinary wildness, not to mention the polarity that lives. And breathes in that space the polarity of old and new, masculine and feminine, red and white, fairy and human, Christian and pre-Christian, earth and sky. These are all seeming opposites that seem to converge in this place, the Glastonbury Tor. I have five planets plus an ascendant in Libra. Part of my life's path is about integrating seeming opposites, bringing into deep harmony within my own body, spirit and matter, contradiction, paradox. I live for such things. So for me, if anything, the Tor, rather than provokes, it offers me comfort. We are kin, the Tor and I. But this one image that I have that lives and throbs and pulses in my heart's all-seeing eye, this image is of me standing at the base of the Tor Staring up at its curving pathway that leads up to its pinnacle. In this living image, I am bone weary and tired to the core. I am not tired from my physical travel or even from the short walk that it took to get me to this place from my lodging. I am exhausted from the last two years of grieving deeply all that I have laid down, all that I have given death to, all that I have let go of and surrendered. This two years has been a great initiation for the world, but each of us has journeyed it Very uniquely. The mythic story that we have played out in our own personal lives is one that speaks to our own souls and the invitations that our souls have orchestrated. These I gave death to. One of my last classes that I taught was an Avalon open house. Series. This was a class series that I was teaching in joyful celebration of an upcoming Avalon pilgrimage that I was going to be leading. The purpose of the class series was to help people connect into the energies of both the trip as well as the story, the deep, sacred, mythic story. Of Avalon. I wanted to share about the expansive history of Avalon that really had at its center fairy and human partnership, the partnership between the fae and human bloodlines. I wanted to help people have a felt experience of the lineage of Avalon that was living on the planet and still operating and orchestrating this great program of light and awareness and healing and reconciliation between fairy and human. People who came were able to feel into how they may or may not connect into this lineage, be part of this beautiful expressing dream. It was a beautiful multi-day event. However, at the end of it, I crashed. I crashed and burned. And it wasn't because physically I had done a lot. It was a large event, but It was nothing that I hadn't done many times before. However, what did end up being so taxing was that what came forward from my soul was the whole past, present, and future of Avalon. It came forward in a transmission of codes and symbols and energy. What became really, really clear was that there was in some ways a line being drawn in the sand. The old stories of Avalon were coming to a completion, not because they weren't beautiful, but because they had served their purpose and in most cases had risen into their fulfillment. So in this closing and ending, which endings are so difficult for us oftentimes as humans in general, but imagine an ending of some story or chapter that one has been weaving and dancing and co-writing for lifetimes. That was how it was for me when I realized that the story of old Avalon was coming to a close. Now, One might think that based on that, I wouldn't have been surprised by what followed. But each subsequent revelation was a tremendous shock to my consciousness. Within a matter of months, I experienced and received a deep body knowing and certainty that the work the dream called Fairy Light that I had been invested in for over a decade was completing. I also, with the rest of the world, learned that a pandemic was sweeping through. I canceled two group pilgrimages that I had lined up. One was, of course, as I mentioned, in Avalon. That was June of 2020, and the second one was in France in the fall of 2020. Both were canceled. In my shock and grief, I was highly confused because I had had such a clear seeing of myself walking in pilgrimage tracing the ancient starlit pathways through the lands of Avalon and Albion. I saw the hills almost as if they were rising to meet me. And one hill stood out among all the others, walking along its sacred pathway, the pathway of the Glastonbury Tor. I saw myself almost as if on an inner world level, I was walking across a bridge. This bridge was an ancient pathway that went straight to the holy isle, across the lake, to the heart of Avalon. And I saw myself walking across this great bridge in answer to this holy song that was erupting from the land. And the way I saw it was that this song was erupting from a blossoming flower that had risen from the deepest recesses of Gaia's heart from the heart of Avalon herself. This flower reminded me of some extraordinary blending of a lotus and a rose. And this flower was pulsing as if I could see it breathing. With each breath, it would radiate out these codes of nectar. As I arrived at its sacred petaled feet, I bowed deeply and my heart opened wide. In my heart, was this hidden pouch, this medicine pouch that also opened and received these codes that were emanating forth from the Holy Isle, from Avalon herself. These codes that I was seeing as the medicine of the now. I saw this invitation as a medicine carrier for the Avalon of the now. So, when all of this came crashing down, I sat there in bewilderment. How could this be? How on earth could this be? Some of my friends joke around and say that one of my abilities is to channel and pull forth dreams, moments, occurrences from the future. At first, this was quite comical, but then, as you can imagine, it became quite annoying. I didn't want to channel an idea from the future. I thought it was supposed to be happening then and now. So this was the backdrop that was my 2020. In early 2021, I received an even more disconcerting, soul-crushing message. And that was that there was going to be a great mass exodus Of fairy and elven elders from the planet Earth. Let me be clear what I am saying is that I was given notice by many of my cohorts, allies, and colleagues on the inner planes that many fairy and elven elders who had been on the planet participating in Gaia's dream for thousands upon thousands of years, quite literally for many ages, had actually fulfilled their purpose and had completed their role that they had set forth for themselves. In hindsight, this would all make sense, considering that so many of them were so invested in the Old Avalonian story and dream, that which had completed and fulfilled, and therefore, of course, their purpose would have fulfilled too. And yet, it was so shocking to me. It was shocking to my heart <laughs> and my nervous system, especially because so many of these beings and I had formed deep and very intimate relationships with one another, one that had been cultivated across lifetimes, performing a great deal of service for the planet in diverse roles across lifetimes. Now, it's important to note that, of course, all fairy elders and elven elders did not vacate the planet. There are a great many fairy souls, masters, elders that are still here with us, that are still co-creating this dream on this planet. But even for me, the loss of one friend is a difficult thing to endure. I was asked to hold a ceremony and vigil for these dearly departing ones. A group of us came together. We had a beautiful gathering to support these beings as they left, but also to honor them for the role that they played for thousands of years. After that completed, I felt a great void. I felt empty. At some point over the course of last year, 2021, I started noticing, and one of my friends noticed as well, there were these golden story threads that seemed to be a new story that was arising from the heart of Gaia. And of course, as you all know, I have been invested in co-creating the dream of new Avalon, at least since the beginning of 2018. So there was this new energy, this new story that was tickling the edges of my consciousness. But I was in such grief that it didn't matter. I had no heart for a new story. I felt numb to the core and I needed to grieve. I needed to grieve the, my loss of my friends, my companions, my colleagues and allies, and the closing of this old story. So I did. I spent the entire year and then some grieving. And as I wrote recently in an email I shared, my grief wasn't really the loud kind of grief that I wore blaringly on my sleeve. It was more a silent grief that seemed to burden and weigh me down. It hung almost as an invisible veil that just weighed on me. I didn't dwell on it. I carried on for the most part, and only sporadic moments did I find myself really in the throes of lamentation, sorrow, and weeping. For the most part, though, I just didn't have it in me to start anything new. I could feel this in my interaction with many of my colleagues and beings on the spiritual planes that were still here. They gave me a great deal of space. I knew that they were respecting and honoring my grief process, and I couldn't rush what this was. Now, in all this time... I have not been back to Avalon, Old Avalon. New Avalon has been anchored here in my home in the Blue Ridge Mountains. But Old Avalon, the Holy Isle, which is marked as present-day Glastonbury, I had not been back there, have not been back there, since all of this went down. When this option became a possibility. The image that began to journey me was as I said of me standing at the base of the Tor, looking up as if the Tor itself had been singing and calling to me. Come, my child, come, sister, daughter, mother, lover, friend, come, lady, lay down your head upon our soft grasses. Lay down your heart here to rest with us, with the old ones, those who are still here, those who know you, and you know them intimately. Come, lady, rest within us. Lay your grief down. Your period of mourning is coming to a close. And in this image, I see myself nestling within the arms of the holy hill that is the Tor. But not just the Tor, but those colleagues and allies and beings who I know, those holy forces of the land who I know, my family, my kin. Come, lay down your grief, lady, I hear them say to me in my heart, and my head just rests, and then I fall into the arms of spirit to be held, to cry, to weep, to keen, or maybe to express silently, maybe to dance, a dance of grief and letting go and surrender. But I see this being the last piece of my grief walk. I know that we cannot truly, well, we cannot control our grief process, but this is not about control. This is about being journeyed and journeying grief. I have been journeyed by grief and I have journeyed grief. I know it so well. And I know this is the end of my grief walk this is my last piece. So that is a huge part of why I am going. This is a journey of endings and beginnings. There are glimmerings, as I have mentioned, that have begun to tickle and bubble and sparkle in my periphery. But they have also begun to sparkle within me, within the sacred sites of my own body. I can feel these story codes rising up. I can hear their language again. Before, all I could hear were blurred murmurs, Now the whispers are becoming more articulate and clarified, and yet I know it's this both-and scenario where I have to fully complete this chapter. And then and only then may a door arise from that completion, a door which I know I will be ready finally to step through. This pilgrimage is very much a threshold pilgrimage for me. This is one of those pilgrimages where I will be suspending so much of the help of the mind. (laughs) The mind will not be playing a huge role in my itinerary, the places I will visit. There are images that are speaking to me already. I can see. That as I step through that doorway, there are songs that are being sung from deep within the land. These songs are rising from the waters that are waking up. The waters are waking up on our planet. The waters, and I don't just mean the waters that the visible waters, but the waters from deep within the earth. The hidden springs, the sacred, hidden holy wells. These are places, points of connection, points of access, bridges between the other world of fairy and the world we live in, our physical human world. The well maiden myth is a powerful, living story. Encoded within it is the memory of transgression between fairy and human. It has to do with the fairy accord and the breaking of sacred contracts, sacred agreement, sacred trust between our kind. We are entering once again into the time of the risen and wakened well-maiden Well-maiden is a living energetic that sings in my blood and in the waters of my own body. Well-maiden sings through me as I tend the living waters of the other world, as I sit at the edge of the well of light, which is a sacred site that exists on the inner plains. Many have journeyed with me to this sacred place. It is a great privilege to sit at her edge to look into her swirling waters of light to receive the medicine of restoration and regeneration for self, for planet, for community, but also to look within her waters and see reflected therein the living dreams, the dreams of our own hearts that live in partnership and harmony and soul alignment. With land. It is myself as well, maiden, who will be making this final pilgrimage, listening to the songs of the hidden waterways of the land, tracing the starlit pathways in answer to the tunes and melodies only my heart can hear. I see myself sitting at the many wells in Somerset, in Devon, but most of all in Cornwall, traveling up and down the coast, listening for the song as it calls me to sit by the wells that are in our physical world, to listen to their stories and what they have to share. I see myself traveling up into Coomre, present-day Wales, Also, in answer to the wells and waterfalls. So, this is a rough itinerary, and also now you understand the intention of this pilgrimage. This is, as I said, a pilgrimage of endings and beginnings. It is a threshold journey for me. It begins for me in Glastonbury, where I will stay for seven days. And seven nights, taking this final step of my grief walk. And once I feel fully unburdened, and once I begin to hear the song of the waters louder and louder, I will know that it is time to step through that doorway from ending to beginning again. I expect to spend time in Chalice Well, at the gardens sitting at the wellhead, watching the waters as they swirl, the red spring waters swirling into the beautiful Vesica Pisces. And I hope to sit in the White Spring wellhouse as well. And after my seven days and seven nights, I have two mystery nights, nights that have yet to be booked. And the image I see is hopping around through an enchanted forest. I see moss and ancient trees. I imagine that this forest is located somewhere in Devon, possibly in Dartmoor. After my two mystery nights, I expect to arrive in Tintatchel, where I will stay for five nights, soaking up the sea and shore, sitting in silence in Merlin's cave, scrambling over the ruins like I do in my book of Tintatchel Castle. And of course, driving down on many excursions to find sacred wells along the way. And of course, for all of you essence lovers out there, yes, I absolutely expect to be collecting essences. Hopefully, I will return with a few new magical essences to share with you. After my time in Cornwall, I expect to go up to Wales for the rest of my time, but that too is unbooked and I love it like that. I'll finish my journey in Windsor for a couple of nights, soaking in the entire adventure, relaxing in a very glorious hotel where I have a balcony that overlooks the Thames that I'm really excited to just nestle into and allow myself to rest and receive before hopping on that flight home. So now you know my journey, a rough itinerary, why I'm going. In this last little segment, I want to share with you as well some of the preparation that I'm doing for this trip. The preparation falls into both the physical and the energetic. And for the physical, for me, the preparation consists of, obviously, I create a list of what I'm going to pack. I'm not talking about clothes and toiletries, folks. (laughs) I'm talking about what are my holy and sacred items that want to come with. Which crystal beings want to be with me for the journey. Some of them may not return. The way I work with crystals is as partner, as ally. They are not tools, inanimate objects. These are beings of profound consciousness and I treat them as such. And so I listen to their spirit. I can sense where and when It's time for me to let them go and where they want to sometimes relocate to. So I do my best to listen and to honor them, even if it breaks my heart. Then there are some crystals that will go with me that just wish to be part of the experience and wish to hold within their crystalline matrix the energies of perhaps a place, perhaps a moment of power, This all requires listening and partnership. I also decide on whether I want to bring one of my oracles with me. I use most oracles as a supplement or a tool to help complement my already developed clairvoyant, psychic, intuitive gifts. Sometimes I find it can actually be really fun and really uplifting to use an oracle instead of sitting in meditation to really see, feel, sense. It can be fun to have that tool that mirrors to you in the physical world, that which is swirling within. And by oracle, of course, I'm talking about runes. I'm talking about the tarot. I'm talking about perhaps another oracle card deck. These are the most common oracles that I use. Then I must also get very clear on which essences want to accompany me, which ones may support me on the journey, but also which ones may want to be given to the land in offering. I get clear on what other offerings I might make. Perhaps I write a poem ahead of time that I speak aloud, or perhaps I make an offering of some dried herbs that I've put together with intention and love. My medicine pouch almost always consists of rose petals, tobacco, and mugwort. Usually I carry a little snakeskin in there too. Because I'm collecting essences on the trip, I also have to decide how many receptacles I want to take, how many bottles, how many jars for collection, for holding the mothers. So you see, a lot goes into my packing list and preparation list, even before I get to clothing and jewelry and, <laughs> you know, the stuff that we regularly would take on a on a trip. And I'll just share with you a few fun practical tips for those of you who plan on traveling internationally. I love to order a little bit of the country I'm going to's currency beforehand. I order it from my bank. This actually allows me to be able to bypass any kind of currency exchanges in the airport or on the ground. Because so many places take credit cards, and I always make sure to take the ones without foreign transaction fees, I don't have to take that much cash with me. However, it's always nice to have some. So that's my little tip is to order the currency, especially if you're going to a country that is either in the EU or Britain, perhaps a less popular travel destination, your bank may not be able to easily access those currencies. I don't know. But that's one tip. And then also, of course, we always have to check and make sure that we're able to plug in our electronics. So adapters, possibly converters, if those are necessary. Always important to make sure before you go. Now, I also, when I'm traveling to the Celtic Isles, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, I don't, oh, I don't just bring a raincoat. I actually bring rain pants. Now, for you British folk out there, <laughs> we say pants. Y'all know this, right? Pants do not mean underwear. Pants mean for us trousers. So I'm talking about rain trousers, not rain underwear. Um, rain pants. You know, it rains a lot regularly over there. And if we didn't if we decided not to do anything during the rain, we might not be doing anything at all. So the way to be able to go out and be on the trail all the time of magical sacred sites and adventures and not be slowed down by the rain is to have both rain jacket and rain pants. Super important. I also want to give a shout out to Rob Wildwood, who is the author of two incredible books that I own. One is called Magical Britain, and it has 650 enchanted and mystical sites. This is his newest book, And I actually just purchased this. I was so excited that he had a new and updated book because I've been using his older book for years. His older book is called Magical Places of Britain. What I love about these books is they have full color photos where you can really feel the energy of the place coming through the image. I also love that he gives a little bit of the folklore. And then at the end of each section, he actually tells you the really fun directions on how to get there. Some of the places are pretty straightforward. Others, it can be as fun and adventurous as go to the end of this sign. And when you see it, turn this way and then go up a hill and go a few yards, right? So you really have to pay attention and getting lost is always part of the adventure. I'll link to those in the show notes cuz these are incredible books. They have accompanied me on quite a few of my UK excursions and adventures. And Yes, they are specific to the UK. So the sacred sites are in England, Wales, and Scotland. So the last piece I want to share with you is what I am doing for my energetic preparation. I'm not going to go into all of the details, but suffice it to say that a lot has been coming up for me. I know that some of the pieces I alluded to at the very beginning of the episode today where I shared about how sometimes we see these shadow pieces and parts of ourselves coming up and they can be previews to what we may be journeying on the trip. And I feel that a lot of these previews I'm being given have all had to do with the way that I see myself. They have to do with themes of hiding, themes of being fully me, fully showing up as who I am. And it doesn't necessarily mean a doing or a saying, but just a being and embodying and embracing. The other piece that is really present for me that I will be undergoing this week is a ritual burial. What this looks like is I will be creating a magical paste From the soils of my land here of New Avalon, I'm being shown that there are two areas where I am invited to collect the soils. One is on the edge of the forest where the great gathering took place and where the Lady of the Woods is often anchored. The other soil is to be collected from the center of the temple garden right on the side of the apple tree. And this is underneath the holy star temple tower, which exists on the inner plains here at New Avalon. I'll be taking this soil and then mixing it with red and white spring water, courtesy of Amaya and Woman Rising Mystery School, and also water from the river here at New Avalon. I'm going to be making a paste in the old way, and then I will be covering myself in this paste to really receive that nourishment that can only be given from the deep, silent earth. I imagine myself receiving that nourishment and all that I need that is beyond what I can even possibly know, preparing me for both this death and this resurrection this ending and this beginning. And of course, I am taking a flower essence formula. I have two, one I'm taking now leading up to the journey and the other I imagine will come with me. And at some point I will know it is the right time to start taking it. So the first formula for those of you flower sisters out there or those interested in essences That formula contains borage, live oak, mayapple, walnut tree, golden seal. The walnut tree and the golden seal are both to shift patterns, shift and resolve subconscious fears and beliefs and worries. The mayapple and the live oak are both threshold medicines that help one when they're about to cross a threshold and really standing at that crossroads. The live oak also acts as a great stabilizer and strengthening force. And of course, the borage is for courage to help me have the courage to make this journey. That is the formula I'm taking now. And maybe I'll tell you the formula I hope to be taking sometime on the journey when I come back. Well, I think you are now fully apprised of what is before me. I hope you have enjoyed this sharing and gotten something out of it. Perhaps it has inspired your own contemplation of maybe going on a soul journey or pilgrimage, or perhaps it has inspired you to reflect on your own endings and beginnings. What threshold are you crossing right now? Astrologically, we are headed towards a great point of destiny when Uranus is going to meet with the North Node in the sky towards the end of July, I think around the 26th or 7th. So this is a great doorway of destiny opening for us. This doorway, because Uranus is involved, can be a little shocking. It can be surprising. It can be electrifying, but it can also feel so alive and filled with magic and that stroke of genius, that aha, yes, there it is. And so I would ask you, what do you need to do between now and then? to complete and clear your pathway so that you can step through your own door of destiny. Now remember to go ahead and hop on my mailing list and you can do that by going to diamirarose.com. That way, just in case I get a wild hair and I'm inspired to share some beautiful light transmission from a holy well or a sacred spring, that you won't miss it. Of course, being on the email list and part of the community really means that you stay up to date with any magical happening. I also share writings that I'm told are enchanting stories and super inspiring. I share about newly available essences and also when essences are on sale. And I remind you or let you know about any events that might be exciting that I'm either hosting or collaborating on. So I hope you'll join me there if you're not already. And with that, I will close and say goodbye for now, and I will see you on the other side.